Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the still first place Cincinnati Reds. Now do me a favor, if you found this show, hit that like and subscribe button, smash that thumbs up. I am up to 984 subscribers. That is awesome. I love it. I appreciate every single one of you guys. So if you guys are watching it on Twitter or any of the other Facebook uh, groups that this is on, do me a favor. Go to the YouTube channel. Type in Sports with Strawberry Ice. And please hit that like and subscribe. Because I'm trying to get to 1,000. That would be awesome. Now this show and every show is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. It's really simple, guys. Just go to the website. They have all their available properties on there. If you guys are looking for condos, uh, to rent a house, apartments, whatever. They got it all on there. Just check it out. They're great guys. Go check them out. All right. Let's get into this. The Reds are back on a winning track. They beat the Giants 3-0. Joey Votto, before the game, talked about how he needs needs to hit balls in the gap, balls off the wall, balls over the fence. Well, he did this last night. And there, Joey Votto into the bay. A splashdown for his first homer of the year. He has become the first Red to ever hit a splashdown in McCovey Cove. I, that's kind of surprising to me that nobody's ever done it, but Joey got one. And the thing is, everybody's kind of like, you know, his batting average is down, which I understand his batting average is down. Joey Votto is not happy with the way he's hitting. I mean, he's crushing the ball. It's just going right at people. Now he's saying he's got to do a better job of getting the ball in the gaps, getting it off the wall, you know, doing damage. Hopefully last night was a step in the right direction. The Wink, Jesse Winker, made his triumphant return to the lineup after uh, he had some calf issues. He homered in the third. Wade Miley, who I have been pleasantly, and I would say pleasantly surprised with, was five innings, two hits, zero runs, zero earned, one walk, and three strikeouts. Now, Miley's five innings of scoreless baseball, combined with T.J. Anton's, three and two-thirds innings, five Ks of scoreless. Also, Lucas Sims got his first career save. I think this is really cool. Bobby Nightingale tweeted this out. Uh, Lucas Sims said he was keeping the ball and the lineup card from his first career save. Now, this is how fun and loose this team is. They celebrated with Lucas by giving him a beer shower. <laughs> Those are some great teammates right there. They can douse you with beer after you get your first uh, first career save. That is awesome. All right, let's see what's going on in the chat here before I go a little bit farther here. Wait, my the beast so far. Wait, my is killing it. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. What do you got, Titus? Yeah. Oh, let's see what Titus says. Yeah, I'm happy. My sister, Natty Reds, is doing good this year. We're going to the playoffs, baby. Hopefully, we want to pin it this year. I hope so, dude. Yes, Wade Miley. Everybody, Wade Miley killed it last night. Wade Miley um, is doing something that I did not think he would do. Now, I thought this is kind of funny. I watched, I didn't get to watch the game last night, but the replay was just on Valley's uh, sport, sports. And, uh, Tucker Barnhart was saying, I guess on the last start, where Wade Miley started getting frustrated because he thought, you know, the Pirates are stepping out on him because, you know, he gets the ball and he's like ready to go. He reminds me of Tom Browning. And uh, Tucker uh, told him, he's like, no, nah, dude, that was me. I had to call a timeout because <laughs> Browning with her out. I mean, Miley, I'll get it right. Uh, Tucker Barnhart was getting wore out. So, but Miley has pitched five scoreless innings after he went six scoreless innings versus the Pirates. In his first career start. Now, according to Elias Sports Bureau, 
Only two Reds have done this since 1893. They have started at least and started and have le- at least what five innings of scoreless. Shall I try this again? Five scoreless innings in both starts to start a season. Now, last year was Anthony DiScalfani, and this year Wade Miley. So the first time that's, that's happened since 1893, and it's been back to back years. So I think we got some pretty good Reds topics to talk about right now. And trust me, I got some Bengal stuff that we can bring up a little later on in the show. Crown, what do you got here? What cable system do you have? I got Spectrum. And as far far as I know, Spectrum is the only way you guys can get Valley Sports. That is it. There is no other streaming or not on anything else other than that. Because trust me, I went over to my dad's house, uh, what, two weeks ago? I think it was, or last weekend. I was trying to watch the game, and and uh, he he just uses all streaming services, and I couldn't get the game. So I, I mean, I had to listen to it on my phone. So if you don't have Spectrum cable or anything like that, you're going to have a hard time watching the Reds game. DirecTV has it. Now, that's surprising because I didn't know. Far as I I knew, Spectrum was it, Robert. So that's that must be new. I know at the beginning of the year, like opening day, people were ticked off because they could not watch it. And so if DirecTV has it, that's great. Uh Titus, I'll get to the Bengals conversation in a minute here. I wanna try to get some Reds talk going and we will get into the Bengals conversation. But I want to get into a little bit more of what Joey Votto was saying last night because he he also said uh, if he had gotten two more hits in the past couple weeks, his batting average would be higher, and he wouldn't be sitting there talking to the uh, to the reporter. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but I, but I was listening to Lance McAllister last night on seven hundred WLW, and there were some Reds fans that said, "You got to drop, you got to drop uh, Joey Votto down to the sixth. You got to drop Joey Votto down to batting eighth. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I'm like, people, Joey Votto is historically a slow starter. I mean, I don't know of one single time where he's ever had a great month of April, ever, since he's been in the major leagues. And last year I was worried about him. The way he was swinging, he was over th- like, and that's and that's a whole philosophy change with the entire batting order. Last year, it seemed like everybody was trying to get launch angle and and exit velocity, which is still trying to get exit velocity, but their swings are, you know, right on a the line. There's no uppercut in them, so they're not trying to launch the ball. Because last year, how many times we'd launch it and would fly out. We could not last year. We could not get a line drive to save our life, to move a runner over, to knock a guy in. I mean, it was so hard last year to do that. And, and that's where I think a philosophy change uh, came over the offseason when they went 22 innings of scoreless baseball in the playoffs. You had to change something. And I was very irritated that the Reds' upper management did not change anybody on the coaching staff. I mean, it's the exact same coaching staff we had last year. And I'm like, all right, well, if you're going to keep the same guys, you cannot keep the same philosophy. You've got to change it because it's obviously not working. This year, they changed it. I love the approach. I am all for it. This is the way baseball should be played. And the thing is, most of the time, they're beating the shift. I mean, last year, they would try to launch it over the shift. Well, now they're they're swinging and they're trying to, you know, Get beat the shift. They're not always going opposite direction, but they are doing it from time to time. So I'm very, very, very happy with the way the um, the offensive philosophy has completely changed from one year to the next. It is the complete opposite, and it's great. All right, let's see here, Titus. What's up? Uh, do you think the Cincinnati Reds are going to the playoffs this year? I think they are. We're a damn good team. I do. Yeah. I mean, I called it. <laughs> Now, I'm I'm a little bit of a homer. <laughs> I'm a little bit. Uh, I kind of I probably overreact sometimes. But when we were, you know, six and one, I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to the playoffs. We're going to the World Series. But yeah, I really do. I mean, we're first place, and that was that to me. That's a key to this season. I've said it for the last two years. They've got to get off to 
a really good start, and they finally have. They've lost three games. That's it. So, I mean, and, and we're in the what, middle of April? Second, well, second week of April? I mean, that's that's good. We're in first place still. I mean, you can't get started, and by the end of April, you're five games out. If you're five games out at the, at the end of April, it's over. I mean, it, I mean, it'd be really, really hard to come back from that. But if you're in first place, of course you're gonna have have a shot. So yeah, I really do think the um, Reds do have a shot at. I mean, I, and I, I said that in the off season. I said, look, everybody kept sleeping on the Reds. I said, like, don't sleep on the Reds. Yes, they didn't do anything in the off season, but they still have a good damn team. They had a good team last year. They just couldn't hit, you know. And they're I think. Last year was a combination of things. One, the pandemic, you know, where Mike Moustakas and these guys have said it, where they really could not get to know their new teammates because of all the COVID restrictions. And the biggest thing to me is the change in philosophy in hitting. I don't think they're worrying about launch angles. They're worrying about exit velocity and hitting the ball hard. And as Joey Votto would say, doing damage. And that's that's all you can ask for, you know? All right, Ken, we got Bengals, Reds and Bengals all the way. Trade teams on Simon Bull. I have no idea what that part is, Kip. <laughs> but, yes, Landon. Yes, at least Votto's putting the ball in play. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, and we haven't seen him do that stupid half swing, that check swing that we all – it drives me nuts when he would do that. He is swinging. And it does not look like – he is overthinking, and that's one thing I think Votto has done way too much the last couple of years. He has gotten into his head of overthinking. He's trying to he was trying to walk a lot, trying to get his on base percentage up, but he's also trying to do damage. And he said, "I can't do both now." You know, he could have done it younger when he was younger, but right now he's getting older. He's got to give something up, and it looks like he's giving up the the walks and the on base percentage to try to up the home runs in the RBIs. And I am all for that. For one, I, I think that's great. All right, let's see here. Landon, the Sparrow is good at hitting against the shift. Loved him, rookie of the year. Uh, yeah, Jonathan India has been a godsend. I mean, I, I, we've, we've all been waiting for him for the last couple of years, you know? We keep hearing about, about him and, and Hunter Green. Hunter Green, when he gets up here, it's going to be good, but he's still at least a year or two away, hopefully not a year. But getting Jonathan India up here and him playing – and the thing is, he's, he's not only hitting, but he's fielding. And he's a, a, a damn good second baseman, too. And the other thing, too, if you watched Gino, he's getting better at shortstop. He's getting more comfortable. I'm liking it. I mean, because, honestly, <clears throat> the way it's looking, and I was discussing this with one, one of my guys at work last night, the Reds' future for the shortstop, they don't really have one unless Garcia decides he can hit, which I think they completely screwed him up last year, jumping him from a ball all the way to the majors, and hopefully he can recover from that. But if he can't, they don't really have another option at shortstop, which is actually it's okay. I mean, Gino, I think is starting to prove that he is athletic enough and he is good enough to be our everyday shortstop. I mean, I. I don't think he's ever going to be a gold glove shortstop. Let's get that straight. He'll never be a gold glove shortstop. But the way he is playing, he's getting better. And he all we need to do is make the routine ones. And he's and he's not only making those, but he's starting to make some spectacular ones too. So all right, let's see here, Ken. You're blowing it up. Let me see here. Uh, yes, no consistency last year at all. There was no consistency in, in anything last year. So yes, they that that is a huge key to what uh, is happening. Uh, Civil War? Oh, they're having Civil War too. Wednesday night? Yeah, I heard something about that. I don't I don't think I'm gonna get invited to that one because I was on the original one, so I I can't say much more than I've already said. Um, so yeah, check out Civil War two with uh, my boy Zim and Ace. Those guys are a great follow on Twitter. They're always on Twitter. And check out their YouTube shows and their podcast. But get back to the Reds. How fun is it to watch this team? I mean, I know 
All of us are concerned about the bullpen. That is kind of the only thing we really can be concerned about right now. But that's that's it. That's so much better than last year. Last year, trust me, I I was on my I was doing my videos last year. I wasn't going live, and I had so many things I could complain about because it was so frustrating. Well, not not this time last year because they weren't playing. So at first, I was just I was just happy baseball was back. But then once they got going, because Last year, I was so excited with all the guys they, they got and all, all the signings and everything. I said, we're going to be good. And that's where I, I go back to the point where these so-called experts were experts were picking the Cardinals and the Cubs. Some of them had us down in the in the basement with, with the Pirates. And I'm like, what am I missing? I mean, yes, we lost the best pitcher in baseball, Trevor Bauer. We lost him. Um, we lost uh, Iglesias. I mean, what else did we lose from a playoff team? Yeah, they barely made it, but their talent can tell you that they're better than that. So that's where I was always like, I don't understand why the Reds are not getting any love. And boy, have they showed up this year. And I just said the biggest thing, and that the biggest problem they had last year was no consistency on the offense. And they are getting that. So, I mean, and they're not going to have it every single game. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to blow the doors off people every single game. You know, you're going to have have weekends like you did against the Diamondbacks. Now, we'll find out what's going on again tonight because, like I said, they don't usually play very good out west. It's just historically not good for the Reds. But I think it's going really, really well. I'm very excited about the season. And we got the draft coming up here soon. Lots of fun stuff is happening here in Cincinnati. I mean, how cool would it be? I mean, it's happened before. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, in, in, in what, 13 and 12 and 13, we had back-to-back years where the Reds and the Bengals were both in the playoffs. Now, neither one of them won a playoff series or a playoff game, but it was still fun to, uh, to watch. Yes, TJ Antone is – Awesome. He's a good man, and he is awesome. I I would love to see TJ in the starting rotation at some point, but he's TJ Anton to me. He's good wherever you put him. I mean that that kid. It doesn't matter. I think he could close for you if you want if you if you needed him to, you know. But I would really like to eventually see him in the starting rotation with his stuff. I think he he can be really really good for the Reds and, and future wise. Um, and that's not like future wise for pitching. We got hundred, we got hundred green down there. I know some people crown. It was one of my regular viewers that said, Oh, we need to get him up here now. I'm like, no, 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 no. He's throwing 105, which is great. I mean, he's throwing 105. That's awesome. But he's got to get his secondary pitches and stuff like that under control first. And he, like I said, he's coming off Tommy John. He barely pitched at all. That didn't have a season last year. Their season still hasn't started yet. I think the minor leagues are starting in May, if I get that right. All right. What are you talking about here, Ken? It's about audience. Let me click on this. Audience, you can buy Reds and Bengals on Sumble. Symbol. Trade like stock. Buy low, sell high. All right. That sounds good. You're are you a part of that? Part of that group or something? And the new big red machine. I don't know about that. But the thing is, though, they are offensively doing things that the 1976 Reds team did. And that's why I got so excited at the beginning of the year. And then Josh is always like, you got to calm down. It's, it, it, it doesn't mean that. And people are like, this team is nowhere close to the big red machine. I, I never said that they were the big red machine. I'm stating facts that they're what they're doing offensively to start a season is the same or even better than the 1976 Reds. And if you ever have watched a tape, and again, it's a tape. <laughs> it's made back in the 80s. It's called The Official History of the Cincinnati Reds. I totally recommend it if you can find it somewhere and watch it. But there is a quote from Sparky Anderson on there. And he's just like, that 76 team, we just toyed with people. And honestly, right now, the way the Reds are playing, when they're all playing good, they're just toying with people, you know. When you're getting, you know, five and two thirds innings of scoreless baseball from this guy, that's pretty good. And, and like I said, I, I will, I will, like I said, I'll come on here 
and I will admit when I'm wrong. And I was completely wrong about Wade Miley. Last year, I thought he was a dumpster fire. <laughs> I'm like, why in the hell did we sign this guy? But this year, he's got it all together. He's, because I think he had a lot of injury problems last year with his growing and stuff like that. But this year, he is playing, pitching awesome. You know, I, I really do think that he's been a big key pickup. And plus, he's the only left-hander we have in the lineup, you know, or I mean in the rotation. So that's a good that's a good thing to have when you have your one left-hander and he's going out there and dominating. Yeah, he's only pitching five innings, but let's be real here. Most pitchers don't pitch fat past six innings. You know, maybe maybe the seventh, but that's that's pushing it in this this day and age of baseball. So We'll see. Uh, Landon, yes, I agree that TJ could be a closer. Oh, he could be. I'm not saying I want him to be the closer at all. We have plenty of guys down there to be the, uh, be the closer. I mean, Lucas Sims just proved he could do it last night. I know people are still upset and not all on the Armin Garrett um, bandwagon, uh, but I think Armin will get it together. I really do. I think he's – I think him striking out pretty much everybody he faced in – Bring training might have uh, puffed his ego up a little bit too much. And now that the season started and they are locked in and they are professional baseball players and professional hitters, what he did in spring training isn't working. So, which he can fix. I mean, I'm not worried about that. And oh, yes, I remember Officer Dillken. Yes, part of the Nasty Boys. My favorite part of my favorite team ever. That is a 1990 wired wire world champion Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, the Nasty Boys, it was the that was the so much fun with watching those guys come in. And that's what I was kind of hoping we'd have with this version with Sims and Armin and maybe Michael Lorenzen in there. You know, I thought maybe we had another uh Nasty Boys uh 2.0 or something. But with Armin struggling like he is, eh, we'll see. But I I I our bullpen, I'm still not worried about our bullpen. I, re, I really do think that they're going to get straightened out. We have, in my opinion, the best pitching coach in baseball. So I have, I have complete and full confidence in him that he will get these guys straightened out and we will have no problem. And eventually our bullpen will be dominating again. All right, guys, just want to remind you, we're about halfway through the show here. You are watching Cincinnati Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So if you're watching it on Twitter or Facebook, do me a favor. Go to the YouTube channel and please subscribe to Sports with Strawberry Ice. Strawberry Ice, I would greatly appreciate it. All right, I wanted to bring this up here. I thought this was kind of interesting. I, I got this off one of the other Bengals one of the many Bengals groups I am a part of. And this is a tweet that Pro Football Hall of Fame put out. Like I said, you see a top from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. With the news of at Edelman 11 re retirement announced today, he'll be first eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2026. Okay, so does that mean they think he's Hall of Fame ready? Or Hall of Fame worthy? Because if he is... Then my man Ocho Cinco definitely <laughs> should be considered for the Hall of Fame because these are the stats and they're not even freaking close. Now, Chad Johnson did not win a playoff game, did not win a Super Bowl, but every other stat he is destroying Julian Edelman. So, this just goes to show if this guy gets into the Hall of Fame, then this guy should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. But it also shows that the Bengals get no respect when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Because those numbers aren't even close to being Hall of Fame numbers. Uh, yes, Julian Evan is one of the most clutch performers in Super Bowl history and playoff history. I will give him that. Does that make him a pro football Hall of Fame? And my, my answer is no. I mean, I don't see – I mean, I'll put it this way. I can see him getting in because of the Patriot love and everything. I completely can see him getting in, you know. But 
I, I don't think he deserves it. I mean, I think Chad Johnson has way more of a claim than he does. I think, hell, I think Isaac Curtis has way more of a claim than, than Edelman does. Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, the list goes on and on and on. I can tell you of Bengals who are more deserving than Julian Edelman. So I don't get that, but I would not be surprised to see that. It would really irritate me a lot if he gets in and our Bengals are still not in there. Luke says the popularity contest now, and that is the biggest issue. Exactly. And that, that's one thing that is great that the Bengals have finally done a ring of honor. They finally have done it. Now we can actually have, you know, the first two is Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz. I think the second two better be Ken Anderson and Ken Riley because those two are the next that need to be in the Hall of Fame. For sure. No doubt about it. Now, with that being said, we have the jungle to the hall for my boy Bengal Jim, which I don't have that have that graphic on here, which I don't. I don't have the graphic on here. But the jungle to the hall is this summer, and that is us Bengals fans stepping up and putting our foot down. That's why I look at it. Putting our foot down, saying this is ridiculous. That these two men, Ken Anderson and Ken Riley, have not made it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And for them to tweet out something about when Juliet, Julian Edelman is eligible? Come on, seriously? We're talking about Julian Edelman. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he's not a Hall of Fame player. He's not. <laughs> you know? And how can you even tweet that out to say this is when he's eligible? Everybody knows when he's eligible. He retired him then. You know when he's retired yesterday. You know when he's eligible. Why would you tweet that out if you don't think that he's going to be in there? Which is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. There's so many other guys that should be in there. And I can name a lot of Bengals that should be in there. And it really ticks me off when I start talking about this of why (laughs) these guys are not in there. I mean, I just keep going. Ken Riley is still fifth all time. And interceptions. What's Julian Edelman in? I mean, I know he's had, uh, I think, the most catch or second most catches next to Jerry Rice in playoffs. Great. He's been in a lot more playoff games than Ken Riley. Ken Riley was only in a couple of them with, with the Bengals in the, in the early 80s. That that has nothing to do with that's That's a team thing. You know, your team got you there and you stepped up. I think that's great. I respect the hell out of that. I respect the hell out of Julian Edelman. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's not. Ken Riley, Ken Anderson are Hall of Famers. And it's absolutely ridiculous that they aren't in. And I'm going to keep pounding the table until they get in. Because I don't get it. I know most Bengal fans don't get it. But, yes, Ken, you're right. Ken Anderson, get that up there, should be in. And so should Ken the Rattler, Riley. They should both. Be in. Now, this is a interesting stat. Or not stat. If you want to make a bet, I'll put it that way. And I, I don't really bet a whole lot. But if you want to make a bet. Now, the odds for this man, Joe freaking Burrow, to win the 2021 MVP for per bet on line AG. It's 33 to 1. Those are the odds. I don't know. If you guys think there's some good odds, you think the uh, Joe Freaking Burrow has got a chance to not only be the comeback player of the year, but also the MVP, how good would that be? You know, having the comeback player of the year plus MVP, I think it's great. And I don't know if you guys are into betting or not, but, uh, some people say that's a good bet, and they might might try to take them up on that. But I um, I do think that is something that we can uh, definitely discuss if you guys would like. It looks like everybody wants to talk about the Reds, which is fine with me. I love talking about the Reds. And I just got to show this again for people who are showing up late of what my main man Joey Vodomatic did last night. 
And there, Joey Votto into the bay. A splashdown for his first homer of the year. So for everybody who uh, thinks Votto is kind of washed up. And there, Joey Votto into the bay. A splashdown for his first homer of the year. Which I think is kind of funny. I, I, I don't know how you guys thought masks or whatever, but the guy who's in the boat by himself has a mask on. Maybe it was cold. <laughs> we'll see. All right, let's see. Let's get back into the chat here. Luke, when was the last time we thought about something like that this early in the offseason? We got a good one, and it's going to be fun. I'm not sure what you're talking about there, Luke. Last time we thought about what? Uh, popularity contest about the uh, the Bengals, or are you talking about Reds? All right, Ken, here's some old-timers. Oh, talk about Bengals here. Booby Clark, Isaac Cur- Curtis, Bob Trump- Trumpy, Jim LeClaire, uh, Blair, Blair Bush, Max Montoya, Jim Breach, Dave Lapham, and Pat McAnally. Now, out of all those guys, to be honest, I think Curtis and maybe Max would actually be Hall of Fame worthy. Oh, you're talking about Jared Burrow's MVP. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little early. You're right. It is. It's a little early. But the odds are out. And the thing is, I mean, the odds, now's the time to make a crazy bet like that. You know, if you want to win, I mean, if you want to win big money. That's uh, that's when uh, you uh, make that bet. And, yeah, it's fun because, you know, last year we didn't know what we were going to get with Burrow. And at the end of the year with him hurting himself, and I, like I said, I think he's going to be back game one. I don't think it's going to be an issue. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say it's not going to be an issue, but I'm not worried about him not being there for game one. I really do. I think he's going to be there. I think DJ Reader is going to be there. I think uh, CJ, ooh. Zama is going to be there. And now they picked up Thaddeus Moss. Now, I got to talk about something that I commented on because we put the uh, post up, you know, that the uh, Bengals signed Thaddeus Moss yesterday. And I got this silly saying that I think I'm going to possibly make a T-shirt, which actually, eventually here, I'm working on getting a, not necessarily a T-shirt shop, but a virtual store or whatever on the Show Rash Facebook page uh, for different t-shirts and things like that. Don't know if you guys would be ever interested in that, but that should be coming sometime soon. But my saying is, if we draft Chase, is Boyd, Higgins, Chase, oh my. And then we're talking about where uh, Moss getting signed by the uh, Bengals. So I added on to it. And I said, Boyd, Higgins, Chase, and Moss, oh my. And somebody goes, well, you're putting an awful lot into Moss, you know, take, coming here and, and, you know, being being the, the number one tight end there, there, Jeff. I'm like, I was just being silly. <laughs> I, if you ever watched my show, which obviously that guy didn't watch the show yesterday, where I'm not saying that Thaddeus is going to come in, in here and dominate. I mean, I think it's a long shot. I really do because he's got cut from, I think, two, at least two uh, NFL teams. I know he got cut by the Washington football team. But, like I said, if there's any chance at all that he can come in anywhere close to what him and Joe freaking Burrow did at LSU, it's going to be fun. And it is well worth, well worth trying, or well worth signing him and trying it and see what happens, you know? And that's the reason I want Chase. And I'll take it from from Zim. I ain't scared. Look, I know, and, and there's nothing against Sewell. I have, if you if they draft Sewell, great. But I'm not scared. All right, I want that offense. I think we can get a, which we need a guard. We don't really need a tackle. We got Reef. We don't. We need a guard. Is what we need. And if we can get Leatherwood, we guard, and then he'll move out to tackle in a year. That'd be great. But there's a lot of guys that could do that. If you get Chase. That opens the top up, and he gets spread out like they did at LSU and destroy people. And then if Thaddeus, like I said, can come anywhere close to what he did at LSU with Joe, 
dude, we just got in for nothing. That's great. It's completely worth trying. Anyway, right, let's see here. Ken, I tell you, or that tells you something. People believe in the Bengals are going to be are going to going to surprise. I hope so. Oh, that they're up forty percent is on whatever. I guess whatever you're talking about. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about, Ken, with this app or whatever this is. Yeah, Jennifer, what's up? Welcome to the show. This is the queen of Hooday Nation. Uh, throwing now and getting ready to throw wide res- wide receivers means we will be moving around more on his legs and knees for Burrow. Throwing now. Getting ready. Oh, you mean yes, he's throwing now. Yes, yes, he is throwing now. You are right. So he is definitely on his way to recovery. And uh, Jen actually is probably a bigger Burrow fan fan than I am. (laughs) And I love that dude. That's Joe freaking Burrow. That's my boy. Ken, you can forget Pitts. Oh, yeah, I don't think they're going to draft Pitts. Moss got cut, and he didn't fit in Washington. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's going to work. I have no idea. I'm just saying it is completely worth trying. And like I said, I don't think the Bengals are drafting picks. According to my boy, Malik Wright, go follow him on Twitter. He does the, the right report, has stated he get, damn near guarantees that they are not drafting pits. That he thinks it's either going to be Chase or it's going to be Sewell. And I'm telling you, I think, me personally, the Iceman, Strawberry Ice, I think there's a damn good chance that both of them are going to be sitting there at five because I think Atlanta is going to take a quarterback. Because I kept saying, I kept telling you guys, like I remember when we lost the game or lost our, or we, won, or we started winning too many games. Oh, well, there goes Sewell. I'm like, not necessarily. I said, oh, it's because the Jets, the Jets lost. Or, or excuse me, the Jets won. That's what it was. They won and they lost the number one pick. And people were like, people were texting me and tweeting, well, there goes Sewell. I'm like, how? I said, the Jets still need a quarterback. Like, well, they'll probably keep Sam Darnold. I was like, why? Because the the blueprint for winning Super Bowls right now, you get that young quarterback, you build around them. Atlanta, yes, they have Matty Ice. But next year's quarterback draft is not even close to what this year's is. And for all these experts who are doubting Justin Fields, you guys are nuts. <laughs> If you guys think that guy Carr down in um, from Alabama is better than Justin Fields, I think you guys are crazy. Because there's talk that the forty, excuse me, the Sucky Niners who moved up might be taking him over Fields, and I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I mean, Fields, I think, is a hell of a quarterback. Yes. Some of his decision-making might be a little eh, but I, I think that's all fixable. I think that's completely fixable. You see Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> you know, I'm not saying he's the next Patrick Mahomes, but if you if if they pass up on him, which I hope they do. I can't stand the Sucky Niners. I hope they draft a horrible quarterback, and they still suck. So I, I want them to suck forever. <laughs> so we'll see. All right, let's see, Robert. Let's get back into the chat here. All right, talking about. Uh, Moss, he joined the Washington football team out of college and got hurt. He was on IR with a foot injury. Oh, there you go. So, hopefully he'll be nice and healthy. Like I said, you never know. I've done several several draft simulators, and I tell you, works better drafting Chase. Yeah, that's what I – I mean, I agree with you there, Ken, because there's only one Chase. I mean, I know Mel Kuyper has – I got it written down. He came out with another mock draft, which, I mean, there's going to be a million mock drafts. And he's got us taking Sewell at five and taking uh, Dante Brown, wide receiver from UNC. And I saw some highlights of Brown. Hell no. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> I'm like, give me Chase all day, every day. Give me Leatherwood. Give me Wyatt Davis. Give me one of these good offensive linemen down in the second round. I'll take that all day. Because Jeremy brought it up and so he made this, this meme up, you know, where 
Chase is running free and Joe Burrow is getting sacked. And if they draft Sewell, then they can throw it to anybody. I don't think it, I mean, one guy is not going to make our offensive line that much better. I mean, it is, but it's not going to be, oh my God, we, you, we have this, everything's fixed. You still need five guys. You still need them. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't, that's where I'm like, you can get Leatherwood and Leatherwood is, he's proved it in the SEC. Now, will he be there? I don't know, but that's who I keep, uh, keep saying. And plus, you can draft an offensive lineman in the second round. You can draft him in the third round. You can draft one in the fourth round. There's a ton of offensive linemen in this, good ones too, in this draft. So, all right, let's see here. General. We have seven chances after round one. We can't get uh, O line. There is a problem. Team chase all the way. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying, Jen. I'm w- with you on that. And that's where I, I'm just, I don't see. I'm not saying – if they take Sewell, I'm not going to be upset. I mean, I'm not going to cry like, oh, my goodness, they, they should have taken Chase. Like, they take Sewell, they take Sewell. I mean, he, I think, think he's going to be a great uh, left tackle eventually. Uh, can you see there between several O-linemen available in the second round with high grades like North Dakota State's offensive talent, Dylan Rad, Radsnan, Notre Dame's offensive talent, Liam Inc. Why do you got to put all the guys with the hardest names on there, Ken? <laughs> Auburn, Auburn's actually it's not Auburn. He's from Alabama. Uh, Alex Leatherwood. He's not from Auburn. He went to Alabama. But yes, that's the guy. Actually, that's the guy I want. I want Leatherwood. So, you know, I, I am, and he got it. Every one of them has a grade above eight. Yeah, I am cool with this. I, I don't have a problem. I think this is going to be a good thing. For the Bengals, I I think they they played this draft perfect. I don't see, I don't, I don't even see the draft, but I mean the the off season, but the way they're doing it, they left the two biggest spots, wide receiver and offensive lineman, open for the draft because that's where you had the best chance to get these guys, you know. So I, I think that I really do think the Bengals have done a great job in the offseason. And I, I, I we still need an edge. We still need some other things. But I really think at this point, we are going, they are going to wait till after the draft. I think they're concentrating on the drafts. I think that's where most teams are at right now. They're going to concentrate on the draft, see what they get in the draft to figure out what they can do in free agency afterwards. So I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of signings between now and then i think we kind of quiet i mean pro days are pretty much all done um free agency like i said i think the first round is pretty much done so i i, I think we're just gonna have to wait and see uh robert what you got i think dallas is going to try to trade with atlanta and draft pitts jones is in love with pitts maybe and if they do that's fine because i mean like i said the, as far as I, I know, the Bengals are not even considering drafting Pitts. They don't draft tight ends that high. And, which, I mean, like I said, if, if you draft Pitts or you draft Chase, I, I think you'll be fine. And the thing is, they play a three-wide set. And, and with them signing Thaddeus Moss, you know, it might be, hey, we got him. We'll take a chance on Thaddeus. You know, and, and if we can come clean, we're close to what he did with Burrow, and then we go get Chase. I mean, I, that that just gets me excited. I can't stop saying that. That gets me excited if if it happens. I'm not saying it's going to, but it's just great to think about. I got tip. Ken says I got a sleeper late round pick from South Dakota State. K Johnson. We need a return man. There you go. Well, I think our our kickoffs are good. <laughs> I think we need a punt return, but I, I think we got pretty good. Uh, Pretty good kick, kick return. Gets me hyped if Sewell reminds me of Tony Mandrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the well, he was had the Sports Illustrated, uh, the Incredible Bulk, and he was a, an incredible bust. And uh, he was one of the biggest busts in uh, pro football history. Robert Team Chase for sure, exactly. Uh. Chase and Higgins. Yeah, like I said, boys, Boyd, Chase, Higgins. Oh, my. Now, the new one, if it works out, Boyd, 
Chase, Higgins, and Moss. Oh, my. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I am sorry you aren't going to find – I'm sorry. You aren't going to find a wide receiver with that great separation like Chase has. Exactly. You can't pass on Chase. If he's there, and I'm not say, just saying this because of Joe Burrow and Chase chemistry, Chase is just one of a kind receiver that I think will be better than Jefferson. I agree because I actually, I mean, Chase was pretty much the number one go to guy for Burrow. And I, I, he's been compared to a guy I can't stand, but Antonio Brown. And if you're compared to Antonio Brown on the field, the way Antonio Brown plays or played, uh, I mean, he had a good year with Tampa won a Super Bowl. But it, it's he wasn't uh, as good as he was when he was in Pittsburgh. But if that that's the biggest comparison I keep hearing from Chase. Chase is a lot like Antonio Brown. I will take that all day, every day. I mean, that is exciting. I just can't get over the fact, like, I'm not trying to overhype the Thaddeus Moss thing. I'm really not. But this could be a big thing. And, and the other thing that I think the Bengals might do as far as the tight end room goes is there's a chance that they might go and reunite with Tyler Eifert. Again, not as a starting tight end, but I think as a red zone, you know, weapon. Because if you I, you put him down there in the right situation, he can still go down there and get you get you six pretty easily. And you like you said, you you got to keep him on a pitch count. <laughs> he can't go out there and play, you know, 60 snaps because he's probably going to get injured, unfortunately. But if they get Eifert and you got Moss and you got Uzama and Sample, I'd go with that. I mean, I don't know if they're going to go four. You know, say if you go with that, maybe Sample might be gone. But I don't know. We'll see. All right, Ken. We all agreed to fix the O-line. Jonathan Sewell. Is not the only way to do this. If the draft does not wide, oh, if this draft was not wide open with O linemen, I'd agree with Dredd Sewell. I can't disagree, with, or I can't agree with you more there, Ken. That's exactly what I've been saying. And everybody's like, well, I want to protect Joe Burrow. I don't want to get the quarterback killed. Well, neither do I. <laughs> I mean, I love Joe Freaker Burrow. He's my favorite freaking player. But there's other guys that they can get. And if they had not signed Riley Reef, I would be all for Sewell. I would say you have to. I'd say we have to draft Sewell, and then we have to get Leatherwood in the second round. If we didn't sign Reef. But we signed Reef. Yes, I know it's only for one year. But you never know. He, they could re-sign him again next year. And, and there's other there could be another good offensive lineman that we can get next year to replace him. And uh, my thought process is if you draft – I keep saying Leatherwood, but if you're draft, able to draft Leatherwood in the second round, you put him at guard, you kick him out the tackle. If you draft another guard in the third round, let him sit behind Leatherwood in Spain and, and Serophilia, you know, for a year, then you put him in at guard and kick Leatherwood out the tackle next year. Then your offensive line's fixed. I mean, like really fixed. I mean, if you get Leatherwood and you hit uh, Reef, your, your offensive line is fixed. All right, let's see here. Yeah, Swole team thinks the Bengals season. Swole Swole team thinks Bengals season over. No Swole. Yeah, if they don't draft him, yeah, they'll, they'll that. And I'll take Zim's what Zim says. That's 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 a scared mentality. You know, yeah, we all want to protect Burrow. That that's to me. That's oh my goodness. Well, look what happened last year, and he got hit so many times, and yada 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 yada. Right, you. We all saw it. You are you are right. That's why they signed Reef. That's why they're going to draft an offensive lineman in this draft somewhere. They will draft one or two, maybe three. So they're going to fix the offensive line. That is not going to be an issue. The issue was with the free agent offensive line is the guys that they think they really wanted. One of them got tagged. The other one resigned before they even hit free agency. They weren't going to pay $80 million for tuning. They weren't going to pay 125 or whatever it was to, for Trent Williams. That wasn't going to happen. Zeitler, honestly, I think I like him, but the more I've thought about it, I think his run he's better a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. That fits better for him with the Ravens. 
And yes, the Bengals got to run. We all believe that the Bengals have to run. But we all know they're going to spread it out and they're going to throw the ball around. So that's where I think Zeitler is a better fit with the Ratbirds than he is with us. Jen. I think Bengals fans are afraid getting Chase is going to take away from Higgins being Joe's number one guy. That's definitely not true because Joe already said he doesn't have a favorite. Exactly. He throws where he can make plays and score. Why not get more weapons for Burrow to do that? Exactly. And you can see that if you think that's one thing. When Andy Dalton was here and A.J. Green, A.J. Green was Andy Dalton's number one target. You know, he was. Joe Burrow doesn't care. And you can see it by, he threw it to Michael uh, Thomas a ton. Tate, it was in there. He threw it to him. I mean, if they're open, Joe freaking Burrow is going to throw you the ball. He doesn't care. And, And that's, honestly, he shouldn't care. It just, if it's the best play for the team and he's open, get him the ball. And that's what you do. That, that's what Tom Brady does. Tom Brady throws it to whoever's open. And that's that's the thing you have to do. And that's where the more weapons, the better for the Cincinnati Bengals. Audience, look at arm length, Leatherwood, over 33 inches. Longer than Sewell, plus Leatherwood played all season. Plus, he played in the SEC, and I can't stand the SEC, but I will give him credit for playing there. So, I'm not saying, I'm not, trust me, I am not saying that Leatherwood is better than Sewell. Uh, I have a hard time saying anything about Sewell because I've never seen him play. I, he did great in his pro day. He looks really good. But lots of guys have looked good in pro days. Hasn't always translated to play on the field. And guys like Leatherwood and Wyatt Davis, who played in the SEC in the Big Ten, have proven that they can do it against top-level talent. To me, my own personal opinion, the Iceman, Strawberry Ice, I go by what I see on tape more than anything else. And I don't and I, I don't know why more teams don't do that. Yes, all the measurables and everything on pro days are awesome. But if you could do it in a big-time league against NFL prospects, then that's more effective for me of what you can do in the NFL than anything you do in shorts and t-shirt. So anyway, that's where I'm at on the Chase and Sewell conversation. Now tomorrow, we'll be doing lots of red stock, which I think all summer we'll be doing lots of red stock here. But tomorrow, I have a guest from Locked On Bengals. It is Jeff Carr. And if you guys ever want to listen to a good Reds podcast, it's really good. Every day, all about the Reds. You just talking about what happened the uh, game before. But Jeff Carr will be on here. Uh, you follow him on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And he'll be on here. We'll be discussing the Reds, Joey Votto. All kinds of other things. Um, also, yes, tomorrow is my birthday, so apparently Jeremy D couldn't be on the show today because he's got something planned. I don't know what. I'm not sure what. I'm a little scared, to be honest. So, who knows what goes on in that man's man, that man's mind? So, it might be interesting. We have Jeff Carr on. We'll talk about the Reds, Locked On Red podcast. Find out what the hell Jeremy D is going to do. About the Iceman's birthday tomorrow. I'll be 46. Holy crap, that sounds old. <laughs> but hey, it's only it's only a number, and you are only as old as you think you are. And I think I'm a 17-year-old awesome dude, which I'm not. I'm 46, but whatever. Anyway, let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream, and I appreciate every single one of them. And... There's lots of other ones that we are live streaming on, and I appreciate all you guys, too. I just cannot do a shout-out for every single one of you guys. I'll be here for 20 minutes. <laughs> so I'm just going with the original ones that have let me be on for the longest time. But if you're watching on any of the Bengals, Reds, Bearcat groups, they're all great groups. Share them out to your friends. Tell them all to get on there. But these are the ones that have been with me the longest. Yeah, Houdet Nation, 
Cincinnati Reds, riding third, heading for home. Bearcat country, which hopefully tomorrow maybe we'll find out something about uh, the new Bearcat head coach. I am really hoping it is Eric Martin. Um, I know people are already going to go, well, he doesn't have any head coaching experience. Why do you like him instead of Nick Van Exel? Well, because he's been an assistant coach with Bob Huggins for about 14 years. Uh, he started out coaching high school, JV, uh, junior college. So he worked his way up. So he's paid his dues, you know. Not that Nick Van Exel hasn't. Nick Van Exel right now can't be the coach because he didn't graduate college. So that's not even an option right now for, for Nick Van Exel fans. Just to let everybody know, he can't. He didn't graduate. He should be graduating hopefully this year. Uh, this this summer, I think he's taking some classes. I'm reaching out to um, uh, Terry Nelson. Hopefully he'll be getting on the show sometime next week and we can discuss all this. But like I said, join Bearcat Country. It's a great Bearcat group. The Ohio State Bucknuts. And then they got the ice bar. It's a virtual bar. You just hang out, have some fun. You can drink some brewskis. I mean, we can't. Well, we can all do it together while we're talking and smack to each other if you want to. But join that group. Um, Strawberry Ice. Facebook page is blowing up. I appreciate this. We have I have 975 people that like that page. 1,058 followers. I have 337 followers on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok. I'll be pulling off the sound later on tonight, putting it up as a podcast. So if you missed any of the show, you can't watch the show, you want to listen to it tomorrow during lunch or whatever, download it. Check it out. It's on uh, Apple iTunes. Uh, Beanpod, Spotify, Twitch, wherever you get your, your podcasts, uh, it is there. YouTubers, like I said, we're at 984. Now, everybody who's watching this on Twitter or on Facebook, which I said my Facebook page is 1,058 followers. I am so close. I am less than 20 away from 1,000. Please, if you have not yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, please subscribe to Sports with Strawberry Ice. All you got to do is type in Sports with, and it should pop up. It should be like the third one down. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. And hit the bell for the notification. And every time I go live, you'll be on. Because sometimes I, I go live on the weekends. I just don't tell you when. That's why you should always subscribe. And sometimes I screw up and don't put it on Facebook. <laughs> it's happened. So make sure you subscribe that way every time I go live. You will be notified. And other than that, as my boy Jeremy would say, everybody all together now, remember one thing and one thing only. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Who day? Let's get Ken Anderson and Ken Rally in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Other than that, that's just sports, baby. See ya! The show's about to start. Are you ready? Ready?